Hi, my name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. I produce the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings and the Bias Plus Reports. And this is Ben and Barry on football. What's up, what's up, what's up? This is your co-host, Ben Dickerson. It's the midway point of the season. Things couldn't be more exciting. No, that's not true. Things could get a lot more exciting, and I expect them to. So uh, we're coming up on week nine of the season, and I'm ready to go. You're looking for some more excitement, eh? Some more bang-bang. Absolutely. Oh, man, the matchups are crazy. We're going to be looking at the matchups uh, through the lens of the Bias Plus reports. We're going to look at all of the rankings, the net point rankings, the, the points for the scoring rankings, the defensive scoring rankings, and the turnover differential. And remember to subscribe to Ben & Barry on football and click the little bell so that you'll get the notifications. All right, Mr. Dickerson, this is your turn. Let's talk about what happened in week eight of the NFL season. What do okay. you got? Let's go right on through this. Let's start with the Thursday night game. That was the Falcons at the Panthers. The Falcons won the game 25 to 17. Matt Ryan came into the game as the NFL passing leader. That would be with yards. Uh, he went 21 of 30 for 281 yards, but he failed to throw a touchdown. He did run one in from about 13 yards out. This is from a guy that never runs, so that was a big deal. But other than that, it was nothing great to talk about. Poor Teddy Bridgewater had an awful night. He went 15 of 23, 176 yards. Uh, I believe that's his lowest yard yardage total of the season, and he almost got his brain scrambled on a dirty hit when he was running and tried to slide. So that didn't work out too well for him. Uh, ended up, he really didn't get concussed as they originally thought. Uh, he had a little neck injury. He was able to come back into the game. Oh, by the way, and I meant to call you on this. Did you see who went in, who the second string quarterback is? No, who? It's, it's the guy, the guy that was the NFL, uh, uh, the XFL MVP. Uh, P PJ? Yeah, PJ. Uh, okay. Walker yes, I did see from Temple, did. yes, he's their backup. I had no clue. Matt Rule brought him there. I love that. I love that. But he didn't get a chance to do anything, but it's cool. Now I know where yeah, he is. Um, um, yeah, uh, he, he only played uh, two or three plays. Yeah, and then talk, uh, Bridgewater came back in. Bridgewater came back in. That slide looked a little awkward, so <laughs> he, better, he better work it on it. It was a little awkward, but that guy, that guy didn't have to go down low, low like that. That was, that was a bad hit. Um, okay, so we go to the second game. The next game, we have the Colts at the Lions. Colts won the game 41-21. Phillip Rivers had his way with the Lions secondary, going 23-33 for 262 yards and three touchdowns. Two of them were check downs to uh, third down running back Naeem Hines. And uh, Naeem Hines and um, third string, well, not third string, but kind of backup running back Jordan Wilkins, we're able to take advantage of a lackluster day by Jonathan Taylor, who's the starter. He's a rookie, and he worked his way into the starting lineup after one or two weeks and has been playing really well, but he wasn't playing well that day. So those other two guys got a chance to shine and uh, did really, really well. In fact, Wilkins got 20 carries for 89 yards, and he scored a touchdown. 
Um, the Vikings went to see the Packers in Green Bay. I lost this one. Me and the bias picked the Packers on this one, and boy, did we get fooled. The Vikings, after looking pretty bad in a few games lately, came out firing. Uh, well, I don't know if I should say they came out firing because that's not really true. It was the Dalvin Cook show. It was Back the from show. a groin injury. Yeah, back from a groin injury. Dalvin Cook was totally dominant. 30 carries for 163 yards, three touchdowns. He had two receptions that he took for 63 yards. Two receptions, 63 yards, and another score. Uh, Kirk Cousins was 11 of 14, uh, 160 yards, and he did throw a touchdown pass. So your whipping boy just filled in the uh, the weak spots, but he was able to take care of business and get the win. He did a Garoppolo, <laughs> didn't he? Well, we'll talk about him later. Uh, <laughs> well, he did a Garoppolo and Garoppolo's better days. <laughs> put it that way. Go ahead. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers wasn't super efficient, but was expectedly exciting. Uh, he was 27 to 41, 291 yards and three touchdowns. All three touchdowns went to Devontae Adams. Uh, he was sacked and he fumbled on the last ditch effort play to try to uh, get them back in the game. I think, uh, if he had scored, I'm not sure what they were. There was a 22-6. Yeah, right. Touchdown would have tied it. Extra point would have won the game. But uh, he got sacked and he fumbled, and that's how the game ended. Devontae Adams had a great day, though. Uh, the guy can't be covered. He's amazing. And it's especially amazing because of the lack of help at the wide receiver position that the Packers have given to Aaron Rodgers, and they were still talking about it as the trade deadline came and went um, yesterday, this morning? Yesterday. Yesterday. So, you know, I don't know what they're going to do there. I really don't. Um, okay. Hey, let's see. We got the Packers. I mean, uh, the Patriots went into Buffalo to play the Bills. The Bills never beat the Patriots, okay? So this was a big game. They were expected to beat the Patriots. They did beat the Patriots, but it was 24-21. Now, I'm still trying to figure out what's up with Josh Allen. I've been touting this guy since mid since preseason. Uh, he was 11 of 18 for only 154 yards. He didn't throw any touchdown passes. He did throw an interception. Now he was able to run. He ran 10 times, only for 23 yards. But you know he's he kind of takes away from their running backs because especially when they get in the red zone and he did run the ball 10 times for 23 yards and a touchdown versus the uh, Patriots defense. That's pretty solid against the pass, but kind of troublesome versus the run. Um, the Bills ground attack controlled the clock and the game as Devin Singletary contributed 14 runs for 86 yards and emergency an emerging number two running back Zach Moss. Now, the reason I call him emerging, and this is a fantasy alert, Zach Moss is the number two running back behind Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary has not had an exemplary year. Zach Moss was considered a very close uh, runner up to him at the position on this team and somebody who could possibly take over the number one running back spot. So for fantasy purposes, you may want to look at Zach Moss because he should still be on the waiver wire for you. And he's beginning to emerge, as I said. 
Uh, he had 14 carries for 81 yards, and he scored two touchdowns. So keep Zach Moss in mind. Okay, next one. Titans go into Cincinnati to play the Bengals. Ha ha. My man, Joe Burrow, rookie offensive or, yeah, offensive rookie of the year candidate, Joe Burrow, pulled off the upset going 26 to 37, 249 yards through two touchdowns. He threw for fewer yards than he did in five of his last seven games, but he still secured the win. Um, he did so while evading several sacks behind an offensive line that was missing four starters. He hit Tyler Boyd for 67 total yards and a touchdown, and he hit rookie wideout T. Higgins for 78 yards. So he moved the ball very well through the air. The running game was fair to Midland. Joe Mixon was out with an injury, but they got the job done. Now they were playing the Titans. This was a loss for me. I, I had the Titans picked to win this game. Yeah, Derek, the, the yeah. Lions had the Titans too. Absolutely. Everybody had the Titans. Really. Everybody had the, the Titans. What's going on with the Titans? Well, uh, all I could say, well, let me put it to you this way. Derrick Henry continued to see his prolific volume, okay? He ran the ball 18 times for 112 yards. He did score a touchdown. But Ryan Tannehill was a quiet 18 to 30 for 223 yards. Now, he did pass for two scores, but this was his second game in a row with less than 20 completed passes. So he's in a little bit of a, I guess I kind of want to call it a little mini slump. I don't see anything physically wrong. I don't see any difference in their approach to the games or, 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 or schematically per se. I, I don't know what it is. I, I just think maybe he's a little off the last couple of weeks, or maybe these defenses, even though they're not touted as really good defenses, have thrown a little something at him scheme-wise that gave him some trouble. But the thing is, as long as he's got Derrick Henry in the backfield with him, he gonna be okay. But they could not get the win away from Joe Burrow on that one. The Raiders went into Cleveland to play the Browns. The weather played a big factor in this game. It was raining and it was extremely windy. Derek Carr was a lackluster 15 to 24 for 112 yards. Oh, by the way, I didn't mention the Raiders won the game. It was ugly, 16 to six. Um, Derek Carr threw for 112 yards, only 112 yards, but he did throw a touchdown. Uh, the rain, the wind was swirling. It was crazy. Baker Mayfield was 12 of 25 for only 122 yards. The difference in the game was the Raiders' superior ground game as Josh Jacobs rumbled for 128 yards on 31 carries. Now, you might say 31 carries, only 128 yards. They were bone-crunching runs. He was breaking tackles. He might not have broke off long ones, but they were all rough and ready, bone-crunching runs. He broke a lot of tackles. So as long as he was moving the ball, it was all well and good because, again, like I said, the weather was bad for the passing game, and the Browns defense really had no answer for him. The Jets went into Kansas City to play the Chiefs. The Chiefs demoralized and humiliated them 35 to nine. Patrick Mahomes went ham on the Jets. Sorry, behind defense, completing 31 of 42 passes, 31 of 42 passes for a spectacular 
416 yards and five touchdowns. This kid is gone nuts. I'm telling you, we're talking about Russell Wilson for MVP, and Mahomes he don't want don't want to hear it. He's trying to keep up, and he's doing really really well. Now here's the crazy thing: he had five touchdown passes. One of them, or one of the five, yeah, one of the five was a ball that he pitched to McCole Hardman on a jet sweep, flipped it to him. They considered that a forward pass. Another one was an underhand softball pitch to Travis Kelsey. And then one of them was a classic bomb to Tyreek Hill. Uh, midway through the season, uh, he is on pace for 4,630 yards. Whew. That's rough. Patrick Mahomes, good gracious. The Rams went in to see the Dolphins down in Miami. I picked the Rams in this one. I thought that the offense would carry the day. Here's a mistake that I have made this season. Football-wise and fantasy-wise, and I've tried to correct it. The Dolphins' defense is for real, okay? The Dolphins' defense is for real. It's Tua time in Miami. Uh, rookie Tua, Taglia, Tag see, I never have trouble with his name. Tagovailoa <laughs> got his first start of the season, and he got his first win. That being said, though, he struggled pretty badly. He was only 12 or 22. He only threw for 93 yards, but he did throw a touchdown pass, so that was good for him to do in his first game. Uh, running back Miles Gaskins. Uh, paced the Dolphins on the ground with 47 yards on 18 carries, and he had a one-yard score also, uh, and he caught the ball three times. Um, so that doesn't sound like much, right? Tua had a tough day, only three for 93 yards. The top running back only had 47 yards, even though he scored a touchdown. Um, how did they win that game? I know how. You tell them, though. <laughs> I watched it, and – and believe me, it, this was one of the games I expected that the bias wouldn't wouldn't um, correct itself. You know, I expected the bias to be wrong about that. And it was extremely close. Point seven was the only differential. But, you know, it, you get a, a, so much help from the defense. Then you get that special team help. And the next thing you know, it's a route. And the, and the Rams are trying to figure out how to get back in the game. And I'm looking at this going, oh, I wasn't expecting this. We're looking for Aaron Donald to be scaring the bejesus <laughs> out of Tua. But he didn't really get the chance. And they they pretty much, you know, their defense really set him up. So, I mean, Fitz could have won that game. Tua could have won that game. It goes to Tua. He, he threw his first touchdown and kept that ball. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm thinking if Fitz is in the game, they destroy them. The way that defense is playing, they had two sacks, two fumble recoveries. One of the fumble recoveries was a scoop and score, 78-yard scoop and score. Another one, they recovered the ball on the Rams' one-yard line. That's where Gaskins got his touchdown. Um, they ran back a kick. Uh, it was crazy. It was nuts. If you do not have the Miami Dolphins defense and you play fantasy football, you better run and get them 
if you play in a league that I'm in, don't bother because I got them already. <laughs> now, the Steelers at the Ravens. This was the big one. This was the game with the two really good defenses. This is the game that everybody wanted to see. I was lucky enough to get a chance to be somewhere where I could see most of this game. Ben Roethlisberger looked a little shaky in the first half. He threw some bad balls and I didn't see this, but reportedly he was seen rubbing his surgically repaired elbow on the sideline. Remember he had Tommy John surgery, which a lot of baseball pitchers end up getting. Right. The recovery from Tommy John surgery is pretty good for baseball players. So I don't know if he's having trouble with that or not, but that was something that I heard. He settled down in the second half and he game managed his way to two touchdowns on 21 to 32 passing and, and uh, you know, a lightweight 182 yards. Uh, conversely, Lamar Jackson struggled terribly through the air. 13 to 26, 208 yards. He did throw two touchdowns, but he also threw two interceptions. Now, this is funny. He did run 16 times for 65 yards, and he had one really long run that he scored on that got called back on a real questionable holding call. I didn't like that call at all. I, I didn't, if I'm remembering correctly, I think that was a bad call, but you know, it goes that way sometimes. Now, the good news for the Ravens is rookie running back J.K. Dobbins had his best game of the season. He had 113 yards on 15 carries. And veteran running back Gus Edwards had 16 carries for 87 yards and a touchdown. Now, dig this. Between the three of them, Jackson, Dobbins, and Edwards, that's 47 carries for 265 yards against the vaunted Steelers run defense. That's amazing. When you look at the stats on this game, you would think that it should, other than those interceptions, that it was Baltimore's game. Right. And, 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 and when you look at the score, you go, wow, this was a real knockdown drag out. But the, 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 the bad news is the Ravens passing game looks totally out of sync. Like Lamar looks bad. <laughs> I don't I don't know how else to put it. They did just they just first of all they have a lack of um, really uh, game breaking receivers. They don't have a game breaking receiver. They thought Marquise Brown was going to be that guy. I have no clue where this dude is. Pretty much it was the Willie Sneed show, and Willie Sneed is a second-rate receiver at best, if you ask me. Everywhere he's been, he's been on the Saints, he's been on the Texans, he's now on the Ravens. He's never been a number one guy. And he was the guy catching most of the passes. Why he can't find Mark Andrews, who's an excellent tight end, I have no clue. I have no clue. And Marquise Brown is, like, absent. So until they're able to, to really consistently move the ball through the air, they can't fall behind in games because as good as their running game is, that's not enough to get them back in a game if they fall behind us by a score or two. So that's a tough one. That's going to have to watch that one. Ravens fans. That's things ain't looking real good. Okay. New Orleans saints go into Chicago to play the bears and come away with the victory 26 to 23. 
Drew Brees tossed a few wobblers. Still talking about that arm strength. You got a lot of people jumping on the arm strength bandwagon uh, with Drew Brees. You called it last year. You said you saw it last year. I defended him, but there's some other folks starting to talk about it. Some of those passes were bad now. He was outside, right? Yes, he was outside. It was windy, and it was a cold day. So we're kind of blaming it on that a little bit. But he still wasn't efficient. 31 of 41, 280 yards, two, two touchdowns. Um, the crazy thing is he's got a bunch of no-name receivers. Uh, Traquan Smith is the only one that's actually ever really gotten any real playing time uh, up to this point in the season and last season. Uh, I don't even know who those other dudes are. I think they're practice squad guys. Um, but he's get they're getting the job done. He threw the two touchdown passes to Jared Cook, who's a really good tight end, and Mr. Everything, Taysom Hill, caught one. So, you know, there's no telling what Taysom Hill is going to do in the game because he plays every doggone position. I'm surprised they haven't put him at D-back yet, but I expect to see that somewhere along the line because he does everything else on offense. Um Meanwhile, against a very leaky Saints secondary, Nick Foles finally threw more than one touchdown <laughs> in a game. Uh, unfortunately, he threw another interception, which he's done in every single game that he started. That's enough said about Nick Foles. I'm getting, I'm getting sick of this guy. 49ers go up to the Northwest to play the Seahawks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do I have this score right? I'm not sure I have this score right. 37-27. Okay. So while you're, while you're, uh, while you're, oh, okay. That's cool. So let me just say this. And I, I can, I had a lot to say on this one because it was your team, but I'm going to make it real, real short. Okay. Russell Wilson sliced and diced the Niners defense, 267 yards, 27 to 37, four touchdowns. He now has 26 passing touchdowns in seven games. Um, he might be looking at some records if he keeps up this pace. Jimmy Garoppolo looked a little gimpy on the ankle, but gimpy or not, he was stinking it up in the first half. They had to bring in Mullen. Mullen didn't look bad. Um, Say that again. Because I thought the same thing. What, that Mullen didn't look bad? He didn't look that bad. No, he didn't. He now, a lot of, bit of hope for the upcoming game. That's true. He did a lot in garbage time. Now, again, you're so astute. It's, it's, I said astute, not you're so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> I said that to somebody one time. They said, you said what? <laughs> You're so astute. Word has it that even though Garoppolo is able to practice and play, that Shanahan may be thinking about starting Nick Mullen for a couple of more weeks, at least one more week. Oh, Garoppolo's done, man. We're not going to see Garoppolo for a hot minute. He's oh, done. he's done? He's Did done. Yeah, you... We're not going to see Garoppolo. That's because I don't have him on none of my fantasy teams, and I really don't care yeah, he about might, you, We might not see him before the end of the regular season at this I point. Kittle was done. He had a high ankle sprain. Now he has a high ankle sprain on top of the high ankle sprain. Oh, jeez. He got a higher ankle sprain. 
Let's not even talk about the fact that Kittle is also out with a broken bone in his foot. Yeah, I knew about Kittle. And I'll just throw this out. We will mention this again when we do the Bias Plus report. But your boy, Mr. Bourne. Yes. Come down with COVID. Oh, oh, well. <laughs> Everybody's getting it. Everybody's getting it. So uh, it's going to be. Oh, a, that's one. Again, so that's one, one thing less. we know about the, about the Packers. And we'll talk about this again in, in the next, in the Bias Plus segment. They will let, they, they well, uh, um, the Vikings show that you can run on them. Yes, yes, absolutely. And um, although I'm, I don't think Mostert's back yet, I don't think he's practiced yet, but McKinnon is healthy and Jermichael Hasty is healthy and he's not looking too bad. So they may be able to do something. Anyway, uh, and again, like we said, Mullen didn't that didn't look that bad. So I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. Uh, Cowboys versus the Eagles, big time rivalry. Eagles won the game 23 to 9. The Cowboys were beat before this game even started, man. They have a historically bad defense, and they're playing with a third string quarterback that has no clue and no chance. Now, that being said, Carson Wentz would be hard-pressed to play this badly against such a weak opponent. He went 15-27 for a measly 123 yards, was throwing the ball all over the place, forcing passes, refusing to throw passes away when he was under duress. He did throw two touchdowns, but he also threw two interceptions. He now leads the league and interceptions. Oh, yeah. And you can tack on two fumbles to that, too. Add on those fumbles. I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, you look like a practice squad guy, you know? I mean, you got all this pressure around you, and you don't know to throw the ball away as big and strong as you are? He's making rookie mistakes, and he is not a rookie, man. This guy's been around too long to be doing this. And again, you know, last week we talked about, you know, what is it with him? Is he trying too hard? Is it the lack of talent? I'm starting to veer away. It's still multiple things, but I'm starting to veer away from the lack of talent thing because the guy Fogum has proven himself. Boston Scott had a, a had a good game. That's that's Doug Peterson's fault for not getting the ball to him more because he's proven himself. They were playing the Cowboys. Those guys just put 11 dudes in uniform and send them out on the field. They're not even playing hard. I just heard Zeke is questionable. How could he be hurt when he's not even getting that many carries anymore? I don't think these guys even feel like playing. They would quit this season if they were allowed to and they weren't getting paid. It's awful. <laughs> so I want to add, I want to add to the things that I believe are afflicting the Eagles. Play calling. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I don't see the Eagles establishing anything relative, especially relative to a run. It seems as if they just pick a play and then pick a play and then pick a play. In one, in one series that I rewatched, Corey Clement got the ball and took it down seven yards. So it's second and three. The next three plays, he's in the shotgun all by himself. I'm like, dude. Wait, 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 wait. 
They went empty backfield. They went empty backfield. One second and three. Second and three. Third and three. <laughs> and, then, and, and the series turned out to be a disaster. It might be one of the series where he had the turnover. And to be quiet, and I'm saying to myself, in any football game, you have to establish something. Either a quick pass game, something that you know you can pretty much depend on. He doesn't even look at Corey Clement when Corey flashes out into the flat. And I've watched him. Corey has flashed out to the left two, three times. He knows he doesn't even look left. So he's not looking at Adam at all. It seems like he knows who he wants to throw to. But again, when you're not establishing anything, the play action is meaningless. You know, you haven't established a run. Now, he'll pick a run play. Boston Scott's really good, you know. But you have a, the potential for a lightning thunder type setup in your backfield between Corey and, 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 and um, Boston Scott. Boston Scott. But you at least have to look like you're going to run the ball. <laughs> you go into an empty backfield then, you know, it, you know, they know you're not good. You know, it's not there. There's nobody back there to run it except for Wentz. So I really have questions. I heard a, a number of people on Philadelphia Talk Radio complaining and saying that um, the Eagles need to get a play caller on the sideline and, and let, you know, the, the head coach be a head coach, be a manager, you know, consider, for example, um, in Kansas City, you know, how how long did Andy Reid, you know, kind of run the offense? Then he turned around and handed it off to somebody, and they're having amazing success. So, I just wanted to throw that in there to keep an eye out on the types of plays that he runs, and you know, if he ever really establishes anything. That's what I I don't think is happening. I, you know? I agree with you. There, there seems to be no rhyme or reason to the play calling, but we've been through this before with them. Remember we were, we were questioning, um, oh darn, I hate it when a name escapes me. Deuce. 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 Well, the use of the backs, we've always questioned right. the use of But they tried he to. Likes, he likes the little Sproles, you know, handing off to the little Sproles type guys. You know, I think he, it's, I don't know if he thinks it's fancy or what, what he thinks, but that guy, you know, um, Boston Scott can be used in a lot of different situations. Yes, yes, he can. You know what I mean? But you got to wear that defense down a little bit to slow them guys down. Or what's going to wind up getting hurt? But my point is, just like we were talking about, you know, when they tried to put it off on Deuce about what running back was in the game when they actually had three viable backs, they threw it on Deuce, and we couldn't figure out what were the determining factors as to who he decided was going to play? Was it down at distance? Was it situation? Was it the score? What what the heck is going on? It just seemed like he was just shuffling guys around. And now we're questioning Doug Peterson with his play calling. What, what are you, you, you're not trying to establish the run to throw the ball. You're not coming out and throwing the ball early or on early downs and then coming back and pounding them with the run. You just, the play seemed to be willy nilly. I can't figure it out. I, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't claim to be any real great, you know, uh, football analyst, but darn, I've been watching football a long time. I've seen teams that do things that make sense, whether they work or not, what they're doing just don't make sense. 
So that's how I see that. And last but not least, the Buccaneers go to MetLife to see my New York Giants. Now, the score ended up being 25 to 23. I will say this. I was very, very proud of my team. Very, very proud of my team. They, the, the, the defense pressured Brady into some bad throws. They sacked him twice. They had him dancing in the pocket. Um, they recovered a slam in his helmet. Yeah, yeah, they had him slamming his helmet on the bench. Um, they banged up Ronald Jones and made him fumble, recovered the fumble. That got him benched for, for Leonard Fournette for a while. Um, they were out there doing the best that they could. Uh, unfortunately, Daniel Jones was almost as bad as Wentz was, <laughs> <laughs> albeit against a far superior defense, okay? He was 25 of 41, 256 yards, two touchdowns. That might have been enough to beat some teams and would have been great if not for his two interceptions that helped the Buccaneers get things going. Uh, still, somehow, some way, they're in it at the end of the game, drive down, score, and can tie the game and take it to overtime if they convert on a two-point conversion. Now, I have to ask you, was that pass interference or not? <laughs> I have to ask. Because I'm, I'm torn on this one. I can see it both ways. Usually I'm like, no, nah, that's pass interference or no, nah, that's a great play. I'm torn. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, but I, I didn't get real mad about the call because – they used the term bang, bang, was a bang, bang play. And it, it did kind of look like a bang, bang play. But generally, when you throw the flag in that situation, you kind of think, okay, if you're going to throw the flag in this situation, you better be really sure what you're doing. Right. And usually then, you make the call, the call usually ends up standing. Yeah. They don't reverse the, that many of them. No. And, and so when they reversed it, it was like, uh, but, you know, it wasn't egregious. You know, it wasn't an egregious. It wasn't like he was grabbing on him and keeping him from getting to the ball and all of that kind of stuff. He kind of arrived right about when the ball arrived. And, you know, can't get too mad at that. That's what he's supposed to do. So I, I think the fact that it wasn't a great pass, in other words, he didn't lead the receiver and it ended up hitting the defender on the back of his arm is what made them feel a little bit better about reversing it. Cause they're like, dude, that, first of all, it's a horrible pass. It hit the defender on the back of his arm. He really didn't prevent the receiver from catching the ball. And that's kind of the criteria or the main part of the criteria for calling defensive pass interference is that you, you obstruct or prevent uh, the, the, the receiver from, from making an attempt to catching the ball. All he did was position himself and the ball hit him in the back of the arm. And if I remember correctly, Daniel Jones also had a couple better options underneath. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Remember when I kept saying to you, these guys throw these balls that have these low percentage potential success rates. And when the guy catches them, everybody's so excited. Oh, he caught the ball, he beat a double team, and and you and you get a gen stats and say it was like a 1.7% chance that that was going to be a completed pass. 
Then you look at like some dude over there that's wide open. Yeah, it's underneath wide open, and you're like, dude, right. what are you doing? You know, you need a, at least a first down. I don't know if they could. I think they had time, but the guy that was underneath, I think it was like maybe one guy between him and the goal line. So it would have been, you know, him pushing on that one guy. But that pass being, you know, the sideline and, and all of that, it's – you know, it's just a, it was a higher level of difficulty, and he he, he passed up and much easier pass, in my opinion, as I as I remember looking at it. Well, in my opinion, on that, an NFL quarterback has to make that throw. He had a step on his man, flashing toward the sideline. If he leads him, he catches it and scores. If it hits the defender on the back of the arm, the pass had no chance. So that's on Daniel Jones, and and I think they use that to 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 um, reverse the call. So, you know, that's yeah. that. But that was week eight. That's the way we saw it. And uh, <laughs> I did great, though. I was sixty nine percent. Yes, yes, I was forty two point nine percent. I mean, really, um, I, the Panthers. The Panthers let me down. The Packers, they really let me down. The Packers. Yeah, I think they let everybody down. Bias plus a 14 in their favor. You figure over, what, uh, seven games uh, times 14, that's a large differential in their favor that they should have won by. The the Titans, what the heck, you know? Uh, The Browns, okay. You know, the Raiders beat the Browns. The Raiders are that team that will beat the team that you don't expect them to beat at this particular point. You know, we'll yeah, talk about it. I mean, they don't, they don't really have anything to hang their hat on except for Josh Jacobs. Uh, Derek Carr's been hot and cold, but when he's cold, he's not real cold. You know what I mean? And I think he's got some good games to come. So the Raiders are going to be interesting to watch. So let's face it. I don't think anybody expected much out of the Raiders. I really didn't. Now he got a big game against the Chargers coming up, but we'll talk about that in the next yeah, set. We'll talk about that. But yeah, I, you know, um, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't too surprised that my Niners didn't get past the Seahawks, you know, with everything that we had going on. I figured that'd be a good game in any event, you know. So one other game, and this is um this is something that has happened, and I've had to work a little bit to correct it, where uh, there's a game that did not show up on our schedule, and that was the Chargers. I knew. <laughs> and I just got finished talking about it. And when I was talking about Joe Burrow as a leading candidate for Offensive Rookie of the Year, I meant to say, along with Herbert, Herbert from the Chargers, if right. Had, if I had said Herbert's name, it would have dawned on me that we didn't do the Chargers game. We didn't do the Chargers game. The Chargers were favored uh, by a bias plus score of 6.4. So I calculated that into my losses also. <laughs> How they let Denver score 21 points in the fourth quarter to, to come back and win that game, putting the coach's job in jeopardy. Oh. People start to look at them like, this is historic how many times you guys have blown big leads like this. Um, Not to mention that you have a rookie quarterback 
who's been lights out. Great. This kid is racking up numbers. Yeah. Numbers. And you drew locked the way win. Very pedestrian in the first half to three three quarters. But then between the um the runs, um, what's his name? The running back for the uh for the Broncos. Oh. Uh, Melvin Gordon did all right, but Philip Lindsay had a couple breakaways. Lindsay ripped off. Yeah. On him. And like a 50-yarder or something? Yeah, when you're trying to come back and you can score on a running play, it just it, it's like that lightning pass, but it's even better because it was a running play. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. You're only 14 right. points down. And you're like, oh, wait a minute, we can we can do this, you know? Right, so right. yeah, I don't know. What's going on with that Charger defense? Um, were they in? Were, were they in Denver? Uh, uh, let me see something. The Chargers at Denver. Okay. Yes. yes. So I'm I, I'm throwing out that because sometimes that air <laughs> by the fourth quarter you're sucking oxygen and you ain't used to it. So I don't know if that uh, impacted them in this game. Uh, I, it, they don't have that excuse for the past two or three games where they gave up big leads. Right. Um, but when you got a young rookie who's doing as well as he's doing, it really wastes a lot of his effort. It makes it, you know, come on, man. This guy is really a big uh, positive surprise for your team. And you're turning around and giving it away, you know, and, and that's that's got to be frustrating to him to some degree. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. As as a potential rookie of the year, you got to put Herbert's name up there with you know some of the other rookies uh, that are actually really getting it done right now. So you know, but I I, I changed you know you know my information uh, so that that doesn't happen. But that's like the second week that we've had a situation where there was a game missing. There's a lot of changes going on, you know, with the COVID and all of that. That's no excuse. Long story short. We'll make sure that that doesn't happen again. So, um, yeah, he had a nice game 29 of 43, 278, three touchdowns. They did throw two picks, but they had a 21 point lead and they blew it. 21 points in the fourth quarter, man. When you give up 21 points in one quarter and you're ahead like that. And this is the other thing the Chargers' run game looked pretty, if you look at their run stats, they actually ran the ball pretty well. Um, so you would think that, you know, come fourth quarter, that's when the, the clock, when you're ahead like that, that's when the clock is your friend. That's when you want to eat as much clock as, you know, as you can, shorten the game, keep it out of the other team's hands. And they weren't able to do that, you know. Um, and I'm not sure if it was play calling or if it was just one, you know, three and outs, happening too much. I looked back a little bit at it. I did kind of look back back at the game, but it was while I was compiling a lot of these stats. So I really didn't have an opportunity to to really kind of see it. But, you know, the one thing you will see is 21 points in the fourth quarter. And bottom line is that's going to kill you if you give up that many points. Yeah, the kid Justin Jackson actually had a good game. He had 20 touches total for 142 yards. So, um yeah. Been waiting for either him or the other guy, Joshua Kelly, to step up to take Eckler's place. Eckler should be back in a couple of weeks, I think. I'm going to have to double check on him. But uh, Justin Jackson seems to have taken over the number one role there, and he had a decent game. So 
I don't know if the two interceptions – I didn't get to see the game, so I don't know if the two interceptions actually led to quick scores that got Denver back in it because that can happen too. You can go up, and then, like you said, instead of just running the ball, you try to throw, gets picked, you set the other team up, they score, they come back, they stop you, they score, boom, next thing you know, you're in a dog fight. So, Yeah, yeah turnovers are we'll, – we'll, we'll put the opponent back in the game. <laughs> Absolutely. Rightly. Absolutely. All right. Great review, sir, on um, week eight. Okay, Benny, we're going to take a look at the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings. We're going to look at the uh, really the top eight. These are the guys that we know are going to be are competitive. They're, they're putting up numbers now in terms of net points, in terms of scoring, their defense, their turnover differential. So let's go to that and take a quick look at those guys. You can always go to the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings to see the full listing of the rankings on all of those different areas. So here we go. Top eight, sir. These is the guys right here. Number one, net points, Kansas City, 12.6. Tampa Bay in second place at 10.2. Baltimore coming in at 10.1. It's kind of funny that Baltimore was able to uh, come in ahead of Pittsburgh considering they just lost to Pittsburgh. But they had a pretty nice lead in in, 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 in uh, the first place. And right, Pittsburgh, they they uh, had the bias plus for that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, in fifth place, Indianapolis at eight point nine uh, net points. There's Miami in the top eight. <laughs> hey, look at that! Look at that! Top eight, and we'll and you'll see why. You can see there in the numbers, but we'll go with it. Look at Arizona. Arizona ahead of Seattle coming in at number eight, 5.9, Arizona seventh at 8.1. So there's your top eight in terms of net points. You know each one of these teams is going to wind up in some type, well, I shouldn't say that, or Arizona could be the odd man out, but they might actually be the second best team. Well, if you look at net points, they're the first best team in the NFC. <laughs> The first best team. Now, <laughs> let me say this, because I know we're going to talk about points for, and we're going to talk about points against. Now, points against is a major defensive stat. But turnovers is partly a major defensive stat also. I say partly because you calculate in the turnovers you get and the ones you give away. Differential. Right. But when we look at net points overall, what you'll notice is every single one of these teams, except Seattle, has a very good overall defense. Seattle's there because their offense is so good. That's the only reason they're there. Everybody else here has a good offense and a really good defense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, since you're talking about a really good defense, if you see PA stands for points against, look who's number one. Dude, offense. I don't know how they got by me in fantasy. I was not paying attention. I'm, I'm really upset with myself because I don't usually miss stuff like this. I went back and looked at their stats, their fantasy stats. They've been balling. 
but everybody was talking about Fitzpatrick and when's two going to play and this and that. I got distracted, man. Their defense is for real. Their defense is for real. Let's finish up in points four first. And like you said about Seattle, their offense is so good. They're in number one place in terms of scoring average in 34.3 points per game. Second place, Kansas City, 31.6. Green Bay, 31.3. And third, fourth, Tampa Bay, 30.9. And Indianapolis, I'm sorry, excuse me, Pittsburgh rounds out to 30-plus at number five. Um, at number six, Tennessee, number seven, as New Orleans and Baltimore rounds out the top eight with 29 points. So everybody's 29 and above in this particular uh, realm. So if you play these guys, you know you're going to have to overcome that. That's about where you're going to need to be scoring if you're going to beat these guys. Now, points against, Baltimore's only given up 18.9. We already said Miami was number one at 18.6. So that puts Baltimore in second place. Kansas City and the L.A. Rams, both at 19 points at third and fourth place. And that's academic as to who's, uh, who's who in terms of third and fourth. Indianapolis, 19.4, rounds out the 19-point neighborhood. We move into the 20-point neighborhood at 6, 7, and 8 with Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, and Chicago. So all of those names, all of those names are names that you think when you look at those teams, you think defense. Tampa Bay is one of the is a defense that everybody's talking about right now. They, I mean, they seem to have it going on in Tampa Bay. So you got to give it to them. I'll round this out with turnover differential, and then you can finish up with any comments. Let's give props to Tennessee. Although they uh, are surprising us and losing to people like the Bengals, they rank number one in turnover differential tied with Kansas City at 1.1. Um, and then third place, Seattle coming in at one. So those are all the teams that are um, one or above. And again, this takes in the first eight games. So you're looking at a differential total of, an, of about eight plus eight for these top three teams. The rest of the teams are just a tad below. Uh, Tampa Bay coming in at fourth, Pittsburgh fifth, Indianapolis six, we're talking about 0.8 and 0.7 for those three teams. And then rounding out the bottom, seven and eight are, again, Miami. Here they go again. Top eight. Yep. You know, and, and Cleveland coming in at eight with 0.5. So those are your top eight in the Sterling Pro Football net point power rankings. Hmm. Let me see. As I look at Tide, the first thing that comes to mind is, of course, the teams that are ranked really high in Tide, which all eight of these teams are, um, they do two things. They protect the ball when they're on offense, and they take the ball away on defense. So that's a good thing. That's what you want. That's what every team wants. Nothing there is surprising to me, okay? But when I look at points against – and I see the Rams sitting there in the number four spot. That's a little bit surprising. Now, I'd have to go back and look at the early part of their season and see some of the teams they played and what kind of shape those teams were in at the time. Because at this moment, the Rams don't strike me 
as the type of defense that's that difficult to score against. I could be wrong. They could come back. I just don't see them hanging in this top area as far as points against is concerned. Uh, the other teams, yes, Chicago's defense is dangerous. Tampa Bay's dangerous. Pittsburgh's really tough to run on. Baltimore also. Um, Miami's playing great. So, yeah. Points four, all dynamic offenses. All of them. But the Baltimore offense is starting to falter. And the New Orleans offense is barely hanging on. However, I expect New Orleans to get better because Emmanuel Sanders is coming back off of COVID and Michael Thomas is coming back off of his ankle, knee, hamstring, whatever else was the heck wrong with him. So I expect to see New Orleans start to either, either stay at that 29.4 area or creep into the 30-point area. But Baltimore may fall. They better be careful. They've got to get their passing game together. Other than that, it all looks good, man. This is this is great. Well, let me say Green Bay is one of those teams defensively coming in at number 20, giving up 26.7 points per game. So they're one of the teams that are in the top eight uh, offensively are not in even the top half defensively. The other team in the bottom half defensively that is – Got to be Seattle. Eight, huh? That'd be Seattle. Uh, we're going to talk about Seattle. I'm to mention. I'm mentioning Tennessee here. Okay. Right now. So Tennessee is coming in at 18th. Where is Seattle defensively? That is a good question. Wow. 24th. <laughs> this, so if they're ranked 24th in points against – and they're ranked number eight in net points, number one in points four. <laughs> That's how great that offense is. That's how great. Russell Wilson throws three to four touchdowns weekly, weekly. Nick Foles throws an interception weekly, okay? <laughs> Russell Wilson is on fire. He can't do anything wrong. I love it. The, the defensive neighborhood Seattle's hanging out in is that 28-point neighborhood. You're who's looking at Tennessee, the, above number Packers, the Packers, Cincinnati, Atlanta, New Orleans, all above Seattle. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and, and those teams are known for having shaky defenses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, and it's funny you look at great teams and sometimes you go, well, you know, the quarterback, he's not great. And they got a decent running game. The defense is carrying them. You know, this is the total opposite. The total opposite. Their offense is carrying the entire team. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And um, what can I tell you? So bottom line here, but I wanted to kind of just round this thing off. Uh, I usually like to do that um, with one of my charts. Let's see if I can get that. Ah, uh, there we go. And I'll put this up here. Okay. So as I always tell people, when you're looking at the net point power rankings, half of this league at, at any point in time is in the negative. Uh, the rest are in the positive. 
you can see that uh, you round out at about a net zero uh, when you get down to, uh, what's that? Buffalo. So Buffalo looks like the breaking point there. That's the team that uh, we, we, we have big questions about, and you were really on their bandwagon hard. Um, yeah. So. I'll I tell you, they, they, I'm looking at, so right above Buffalo, you got New Orleans and Tennessee. Right below them, you have Chicago and L.A., uh, the Chargers. The Chargers defense is really crapping it up right now. I don't know that they're going to be able to get that fixed. The Chicago defense is pretty tough, but they got quarterback problems. They're even talking about um, um, benching Nick Foles and bringing Trubisky back. We'll wait and see on that. Um, I believe that I got a, a report today. Trubisky is um, suffering an illness. I don't believe it is COVID related. They don't expect to see Trubisky. Okay. Um, for a hot minute now, I don't know how much of a how much of that is authentic illness <laughs> or, yeah. or what, but um, we had said they were probably going to ride Nick Foles to uh, to the wheels come off, and uh, this looks like the uh, perfect excuse to do it. Yeah, well, I, I think the wheels are basically coming off, but we'll wait and see. I don't know who they got coming up. But anyway, Buffalo is kind of an enigma. They can go one way or the other. I expect them to rebound and start to move up in the rankings. New Orleans is kind of the same way, and so is Tennessee to me because of the shaky defenses. So, you know, very interesting. Things are, things are happening. I tell you, it's crazy. Okay, well, that wraps up the Sterling Pro Football Net Point Power Rankings portion of the show. Next, we get into the Bias Plus report. Okay, so we're next up is the Bias Plus reports. Now, the Bias Plus reports is where we take that information from the Sterling Net Point Power Rankings, more specifically, the net points and the turnover differential. We combine those numbers to come up um, with the bias plus, which will favor the team that has the highest number. So for example, if team A has a turnover, excuse me, has a net point of plus five and they're playing a team with a net point of one, the team with the five has the greater net points, they would be what we call favored. So we're not saying they're gonna win, but they are favored. We then take that, combine that with the turnover differential which could go either way, we combine those two numbers and then that makes up the bias plus report. So now that we've had that short refresher, let's go right into it. Starting out, my beloved 49ers coming off of a bad loss now have to go into the frigid tundra it's been really nice on the East Coast. I don't know if it's going to be nice in Green Bay, though. I think they've already had some snow. Mm. And the bias plus at point four <laughs> favors Green Bay. All right. This is your chance to agree or disagree. We're going to be led by Nick Mullins. We have no Kittle. We got Dwelly at, at, at tight end. We, we, we do have a little, still a running game. And we have a coaches matchup here but we're still playing Aaron freaking Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, and your defense is a little bit banged up too there, buddy. That's that doesn't uh, that's not going to serve you very well. 
I also heard Jordan Reed could possibly be coming back at tight end for you, so that might be a good thing. That would be. Yeah, I like Jordan Reed. Yeah, Jordan He's Reed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, like I got to I gotta go with Green Bay on this one. Um, at this point, Aaron Rodgers is really hot. He's throwing the ball extremely well. Devontae Adams cannot be covered. It doesn't matter. You can double him. You can, it doesn't matter. He The guy gets open. He runs tremendous routes. His hands are spectacular. He's, he can toe tap the sidelines. He can do it all. Um, if Aaron Jones doesn't come back this week, though, we might have a little problem on the running game side because Jamal Williams and um, uh, A.J. Dillon both are on COVID notice. I think D- Dillon's got it. I think um, they're keeping Williams out because he was in close contact with him. So they're really hoping that uh, Aaron Jones can come back, and there is a possibility that he can. So fingers crossed for that if you're a Packers fan. But I I don't think um, the Niners are going to be able to. Well, you know what? This is a tough one, man. Why? Why is it so tough? Because Green Bay's defense isn't that good. (laughs) And they can be run on. And what's really bad is they're bad extremely bad against the run. And even though your four-headed monster now only has two heads, they two pretty good heads. McKinnon and Hasty. Hasty is a handful, man. He's a quick little dude with some power. And and if they can swing McKinnon out and get him in the pass game and get him the ball in the open, they could give them some trouble. You know what? I'm going to go against the bias and I'm going to take your team just for the heck of it. <laughs> I'm taking the Niners on the road. Nick Mullen shocked the world. Let's go. Nick Mullen shocked the world. And, and when we talk about our running backs, I always want to remind people we still have use check. That's uh he's sort of a cross between fullback, running back, tight end. Use check does a lot of things. So um I like the fact that you picked him. The uh bias plus isn't going that way. But oh well, what the heck? Let's see what's next. You're just jumping out that's, on the limb that's there. That's probably the only limb I'm going to jump on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Wait, here comes another limb. <laughs> Holy smokes. Denver at Atlanta. Bias plus score 4.4 favors Atlanta. Now, okay. You, you got your shot. What do, what, do, what do you got to say about this? Let's see it. <laughs> Let's hear it. Okay, so, (laughs) wow. Let me put it to you this way. If the game was in Denver, I would be very tempted to date Denver. But I'm going to go with the Falcons on this one. Uh, Matt Ryan has not really disappointed me too much, except for this past week. Um, I think he's going to bounce back and have himself a nice day against the Denver defense. Again, the only problem is Atlanta's defense is not very good against the run. And now that Lindsey is healthy and they still got Gordon, if they're able to establish a running game, Drew Locke is playing with a lot of confidence. This could, game could be trouble for the Falcons, but I'm going to pick the Falcons to win. Going with the Falcons. All right. Going with the bias. 
Yeah, I didn't think you were going to go, but so crazy there, you know. I got to give you, you that. But okay, what do we got here? Who's up next? <sighs> wow, another great game. Jeez. My two favorite teams, beside my actual team, which is the New York Giants, these are my two favorite teams this season. Yeah, and the bias plus score favors Seattle. Hmm, you're not going against that bias, are you? Wow. So that's a nice healthy one too, because you figure what eight? This is week nine, so that's eight sevens and fifty six. So that's a net difference of over fifty six if you just make it a, a total number, because this is an average per game. So you know, uh, that's a pretty nice size. But again, what's Buffalo going to do? I mean, you know, the weird part is the the Bills are are six and two. Um, so you know, in terms of their division, in terms of winning percentage, uh, you know, they they should be in what first place. Uh, you got the Dolphins in second place, but they're not looking like a first place team right now. No, they're not. They're really not. And I've seen. Um, far less, far lesser offenses give them trouble. There's no way that I can pick the Bills over the Seahawks offense. I really can't. I mean, if, if it's snowing and I, no, not even that, take the Seahawks, forget about it. Russell's too good. The pass game is clicking too well. I don't know if they'll have their number one running back. Uh, back in action this week. Again, uh, this is that part of the, the week where you have to check. Uh, if you're playing fantasy, you have to check people's practice uh, participation and see if they at least got in a limited practice and hope for a full practice by Friday before you can decide if you can start them in the lineup to see if they can play. Um, it's not looking good, though. So doesn't really matter. DK Metcalf. Lock it. Forget about it. Going with the Seattle Seahawks. All right. Chicago, the Bears at the Titans. Bias plus score 5.2 favors the Titans, who just lost to the Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to hold that against them, aren't you? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the only thing you can't hold is the fact that uh, the Bengals – uh, Joe Burrow is, is is real. He's 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 quarterback. He's a serious, real quarterback, though. That is correct, and that's why I'm taking the Tennessee Titans because <laughs> although you could look at it one way and say, "Wow, the Bengals beat them," and rookie quarterback went off on them. Excuse me, the kid is really good. Nick Foles is not. All right, Titans win this game, and Derrick Henry. He's going to get his yards. Even though the Bears' defense is tough, he's going to get his yards. We said last week that we questioned whether Nick Foles can take a team through the meat of the season. So they're in the meat of the season now, buddy, and we shall see if Nick Foles has what it takes to be able to do that. And I, you and I both, I believe, have questions as far as that's concerned. Okay. <sighs> You ready for this? Baltimore at Indianapolis, 0.9. <laughs> 
favors Baltimore. Now, the weird part about this, all right, Baltimore is ranked number three in net points. Indianapolis is five. Baltimore has the eighth ranked offense. Indianapolis has the fifth ranked defense. Baltimore has the uh, um, Indianapolis has the tenth ranked offense. Baltimore has the second ranked defense. So you you got some some good competition on both sides of the ball going up against each other. Point nine is man, that's that's close, man. This should be you know a really good game. I'm telling you. We've got nothing but good games on the slate so far. This is this is going to be another really good one. I almost put this up there with the with the Ravens Steelers game as far as impact and and strength of the teams. Uh, I'm going to go with the Colts, and the reason I'm going to go with the Colts is for the same downfall that the Ravens had against the Steelers. I don't think that they're going to be able to just run through the Colts and win this game. I think that the Colts will be able to manufacture points somehow, some way. Phillip Rivers, your other whipping boy, has been throwing the ball pretty well lately. I don't know who the heck he's throwing it to because T.Y. Hilton ain't doing nothing, but he's get. I know he's throwing it to. He's throwing it to Zach Pascal, and he's got like three decent tight ends. None of them great, but all of them decent. And they've been running the ball well. And at least two of the back, actually all three of their running backs. Uh, I'm sorry, let me put it this way. Of the three running backs that they have, one I would probably consider like a third down type back, pass catching back. But the other two are both three down backs. So they got a nice little variety there. And they can all catch. Um, I think they're going to be enough to give the Baltimore defense a little bit of trouble I think they'll put up some points, and their defense is a very active, fly-around, hard-hitting type of defense. And if they can just keep Lamar from breaking off any long runs, I think they can grind them down to a slow roll to the point where they can get ahead of them and force Lamar to have to throw the ball and then just send the troops at him and pick off the interceptions. All right. This was one of those splits where the uh, Baltimore had the net point advantage, but Indianapolis had the turnover differential advantage. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this will be an interesting situation. Okay, ready? Turnovers in this one. I'm looking for I'm looking for the Colts to pick this guy. Looking for the Colts to pick him. Yep. Teddy B. Sacrificial lamb going into Kansas City with the Chiefs favored. With a bias plus score of 15.3, I do believe. No, it's not the biggest bias. It's the second biggest bias of the weekend. What do you got for the Kansas City hosting Carolina Panthers? And I do believe C-Mac. Is C-Mac back this week? C-Mac. Panthers. Oh, oh, Christian McCaffrey. Yes. Um... They haven't officially announced it yet. He's been cited at practice. He's not put in a full practice. I didn't see what he, exactly he did today, but I expect to see him have at least a limited practice tomorrow, and I think they'll probably hold out till Friday before they'll announce if he's actually going to play. 
but I'm expecting him to play. All things have pointed to this week. So I, I hope he's back. But to tell you the truth, I mean, I hope he's back because I need him in fantasy. And I think he'll probably do something in this game. But other than that, this is a blowout. <laughs> this is this is another blowout. This is another Patrick Mahomes 350 yard, three or four touchdown day. <sighs> okay. I can't argue with you. One iota on that. We won't spend a whole bunch of time. We'll wait and see how that turns out. Okay. Detroit Lions at Minnesota Vikings. This is a, a division game with the bias plus score of 1.3 favoring the Lions. The Lions got a bias? <laughs> oh yes, they did. Um, because, well, to be quite honest, the Lions came in net points ranked 23rd. Minnesota came in net points ranked 25th. So they're really, really close. Uh, and they're both in a negative. Minnesota's minus 4.4. Baltimore's minus 4.1. Uh, uh, but Baltimore, um, excuse me, the Lions also uh, won out on the uh, turnover differential. Uh, Minnesota's in the negative and Detroit is in the positive. So it's very close. It's a, it's a division game. We like division games because they're always weird. And um, I, I'm, this would actually kind of intrigue me a little bit, you know, in terms of these two teams. Yeah, I can see. It's not one of my favorite intriguing games, but it kind of intrigues me a little bit. Right. So now just tell me this real quick. Where's Detroit at points against? Points against Detroit <laughs> is 26. They're giving up 29.4. And the Vikings are? The Vikings are 29th. <laughs> They're giving up 30.6 points. Oh, holy smokes. <laughs> so we got two real lackluster defenses here. <sighs> but it's going to be the Dalvin Cook show again. <clears throat> okay. Pat Shermer's no fool. All right. It, rather than go with erratic behind Kirk Cousins and depend on him to win the game, why would you do that? When you have a running back and an offensive line that can open holes for him, and once he gets through the hole, you got a whole bunch of business decisions to make to try to tackle this dude. He is size-wise, he's Derrick Henry light. Derrick Henry light. That was hard to say. Okay, this guy's grinding out yardage like groin injury. What groin injury? He picked up right where he left off. Detroit doesn't have a chance of stopping him. They keep feeding him. He's going to have hella yardage, couple of nice breakaway runs, build up a lead. Kirk toss a couple in, and the game is over. Detroit doesn't have a chance in this one. Now, fantasy wise, you can't use Galladay because he's hurt. So look for um, Marvin Jones Jr. He should have a good day because the Viking secondary stinks. Okay. But Stafford's not going to be able to throw. He's going to have to throw 50 passes just to keep up with Dalvin Cook. So I'm taking the Vikings. Sticking with the Vikings. Okay. Pretty good. Pretty good. All right. We have another division matchup coming up in that super hot NFC least. New York Giants at Washington football team. Bias plus score 2.7 favors Washington. 
you guys are going to get it done, man, because um, you know you don't you only have to win a half a game to to make moves in the NFC East. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take the Giants in this one. Any game that looks remotely close for my Giants, I'm picking them. And I and I'm telling you, I I, I feel good about my team. I know we're losing. I know we're not really good. I know we have challenges on the offensive line, but I like the way our defense looks. What really, really worries me, besides the lack of a running game, is Daniel Jones hasn't looked good. And I think he's suffering from some of the same things that's bothering Wentz. And I, I hate to put them two together because, you know, if you talk to an Eagles fan, Wentz is good. He's just having problems. And Daniel Jones stinks. But if you look at their stats, they're the same guy, okay, except for Wentz throwing more interceptions. So how can Daniel Jones stink? But that's that's a story for another day. If he can get himself together, which I believe he will, they're going to win at least two more games, maybe three, maybe. Um they obviously like their head coach. I didn't know how they were going to do with this guy. He's never had uh, head coaching experience, but they seem to like him. He has the team playing hard. If you watch any of his post-game interviews, he loves up on his guys. He talks really tough, and he he defends them at every turn. So I like the direction that my team is going in, and I believe that they will beat the Washington team this week. You like your coach? Yes, I do. That's important. That they seem to like him. They seem to play hard for him, and you know we we've already noted, you know that the Giants' defense is not bad. They're they're fifteenth, you know, so they're in the top half of the league, you know, in terms of their ranking, giving up twenty four point nine points a game. So, you know, that's going to always help them when they have a spirited defense, which they have. So, you know, that's really good. Did Golden Tate do anything for you guys this this past week? And I think he did, didn't he? Scored a touchdown. He had a couple. He had a he had a big first down catch. He scored a touchdown. I only think he had just a couple of catches though. Okay, I remember them, them calling his name a couple times. So. Oh, the dude is Slayton, and that's what's killing me with Daniel Jones. When you got a player like Slayton on your team, he's sneaky fast. He's hard to jam at the line. He's real shaky and shifty, okay? And he somehow, on he gets deep, and he gets by DBs. You got to connect on those long passes. He keeps overthrowing him. You don't overthrow this guy. You got to lay that in there. They got to work on that because Slayton is a serious, serious deep threat. And he runs the whole route tree, too. He'll come across the middle. He'll do all that. But – he can keep you in games, and he can blow open a game. He's that kind of player. But they got to get it to him. All right. Your challenge, the challenge is there. Um, and, who? again, who's playing quarterback for Washington? Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen. Okay. So, you guys, your defense needs to be able to take advantage of this Kyle Allen quarterback and really get something done. Yeah, I mean, he's a veteran guy. It's not going to be easy. Um, Washington runs the ball fairly well. Antonio Gibson's having a decent season. This is going to be a tough game. Every one of these games is a challenging game. This is, <laughs> this is crazy. It's that kind of week, huh? 
Good week every week. How about this one? Houston at Jacksonville. Okay, we had to have one stinker. <laughs> However. But it's a good stinker. It's a good stinker. Um, when you're looking at, in terms of net point rankings, Houston is 29th. Jacksonville is 30th. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got you got two teams both in the, in the negative net points. Um, and, you know, they're down there in terms of defense. They're down there in terms of uh, offense. Both uh, the offenses at least are in the 20s. Houston is 22nd. Jacksonville is 26th. Gardner Minshew is starting to get some some negative comments coming off of the uh, media here. I'm beginning to hear some some grumblings about him, you know, being all personality and and not getting the job done. So we have to keep an eye out on that. And okay, the Texans, what we got? In, what a new coach, right? So well, yeah, I guess you could say he's a new coach. He's an old coach, an old coach, but he's the new guy in charge. Uh, so he's the interim coach, but yeah, they'll never give him the job. I don't, I don't expect that to happen. Um, but the team seems to be okay. I mean, they, they're playing hard. The problem is they're losing playmakers. Like there's a rumor now that Will Fuller might get traded to the Packers. It didn't happen. Okay. Trade deadline came and passed. It didn't happen. But, you know, things happen after the trade deadline sometimes, too. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. So that didn't happen. So I'm sure Deshaun is happy about that. But other than that, the run game's lackluster. They just, ugh. And what are you going with? I, I, I'm thinking I heard something about Mincew not starting this week. Is oh, really? played poorly? I don't know if it's because he's played poorly or um, – because he's got an injury, but I don't. They have some dude down there named Lufton, or something like that. I don't. I don't know. Well, we'll have to check that. But either way, I'm going to take the Texans. I think Deshaun's going to grind this one out. I think he's going to throw a couple long balls to uh, Fuller and uh, move the sticks with Brandon Cooks, and um, maybe even David Johnson has a decent day against the Jaguar run defense. Uh, it might be a tough one. It may be a close score. It could even end up being high scoring. But I'm going to go. Is Houston's defense so poor? They're ranked 30th. They're giving up 31 points a game. They're really bad. I, I, I haven't taken the time to actually study their personnel, but I got a funny feeling that they just got some low-grade players and they haven't put anything into the draft or looking for any free agents. They haven't tried to do anything to improve things. And the, the wheels are just falling off. It's kind of the same thing Dallas is going through. Like you, you got middling to poor players that individually could possibly play better on another team, but collectively they're just horrible. I don't, I don't know any other way to, to explain it. All right, we'll let that mystery uh, solve. We have, the, we have the battle of the losses. Las Vegas at Los Angeles. <laughs> Did you say the battle of the losses? The losses. 
The last last in a loss. <laughs> a battle of the losses. Do you know the difference between the last and loss? Actually, I don't. Do you? I didn't look it up. Loss. LOS is used with masculine plural words, and LAS is used with feminine plural words. Well, then in that case, uh, about that, when I look at the Chargers, the Chargers uh, are 16th at point nine, and the Raiders are still, where are the Raiders at? Uh, Las Vegas. So, yeah, the Raiders are, are, are still below Las Vegas, so the, the Chargers still have the bias. In Chargers there. do have the bias? Okay. Yeah, they actually do have the bias. So I forget, you know, and I'm thinking that with that now that the uh now that the Raiders are out of there, that we're finished with Los Angeles, but we're not. You still got the Chargers. Forgot about that. Right, right. That kind of screwed me up. Okay. Good enough. We you're taking the Chargers. Yes, that is correct. All right. So the Raiders can beat everybody, but <laughs> the lower half of the net point <laughs> team. This is a big division game for them. Another division. Yeah. Wow. Wow. All right. This must be division week or something, is it? No, it's not everybody. No, they, it's not these guys. Pittsburgh. Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> this is the largest bias plus of the weekend. 22.1 bias plus score favors Pittsburgh. Yeah, no. Let's see. Let's let's see you go against this bias, buddy. I, I can't go against this bias. Come on now. <laughs> now it it should be a blowout. It 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 will be, but it won't be. Because sometimes when we use the word blowout, we're talking about 30, 40, you know, hanging a big number on somebody. It might be like 28 to maybe they'll kick two field goals, 28 to six or something like that. But I'm sure the Steelers will handle this one without much of an effort. I'd like to see James Conner get some good yards in this one. I don't think Roethlisberger is going to have to throw many passes in this one. Uh, I think the few passes that he throws, though, he will make them count. They will score. Uh, this will be basically a no-effort win for the Steelers. They can sleepwalk through this one. So, yeah, take the Steelers all day, every day, no problem. I have nothing good to say about the Dallas Cowboys right now, and I'm not a Dallas Cowboys hater, but they truly stink. Yes, they are challenged. They are football challenged. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. All right. This, I do believe, is going to be my intriguing game of the day. <laughs> The Miami Dolphins with their number one defense at Arizona with a .7 bias plus score favoring Miami. Look, <laughs> they, uh, they're ranked net points, Miami six, Arizona is seven. <laughs> so they're right there with each other. Uh, Miami has that number one defense. They're only giving up 18.6 points per game. 
Arizona has the ninth ranked offense. They're scoring 29. No matter of fact, Arizona is also ranked ninth defensively, giving up 20 points. Miami is 11th offensively, scoring 26.9 points per game. So these two teams should have some fun. And let's face it, it's Tua, it's Kyler. You got to love two young guys going at it, man. Come on. That's true. I agree. You do have to love it. Um, here's the thing. Arizona defense is pretty good, too. Yes, they are. And uh, the way the Miami defense had Jared Goff's head spinning last week, I do believe is the way the Arizona defense will have Tua's head spinning this week. Um, when I was doing the report from the games last week, I talked about Miles Gaskin. He made it through that game and had a pretty good game. Unfortunately, turns out after the game was over, he came up with a um, a bad ankle and will probably miss the next two to three games if that report is true. <sighs> Guess what? Your boy's up. Matt Breida. Yes. This is his chance. This is his chance. This is his chance to prove himself because I think they got Jordan Howard buried under the bench somewhere. So Breed is going to get a lot of room to run and they're going to need him to handle a good number of touches because we're talking about a brand new rookie quarterback just coming off of his first start. As far as the Miami defense is concerned, I'm sure they're going to try to hold their own. But coming after Jared Goff and coming after Kyler Murray is two completely different things. We're talking about a good arm versus a cannon. And we're talking about a statue versus, what'd you call him? A cheetah? Well, Breida is the cheetah. Oh, Breida's the cheetah? Yeah, well, I'm taking that name. Kyler Murray. Is, <laughs> he's, he's, Wait a minute, are you calling Tua a statue? No, 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 no. I'm calling, I'm comparing to Jared Goff. I'm comparing Miami versus Goff. Oh, I see what you're saying. And Arizona yeah. versus Tua. Yeah. yeah. So all the great things we saw Miami do against the Rams, they may have that done to them by the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So who are you going with? I'm going with the Cardinals. Going with the Cardinals, sticking yeah. with, oh, wait a minute, going against the, against that's against the bias. That the is correct. Going with the Cardinals. Yes. And, you know, we've been talking about the Cardinals all season, being a team that is, is more competitive than what we might know. They're in the toughest division in the league. Um, the only division, as I saw it, where every team is in the positive in terms of net points. Interesting. The division has at least one or two that are negative net points. So strangely enough, as bad as we got beat, we're still, my, when I say we, I'm talking about my beloved 49ers, still in the positive. Um, but, mad. you know, 4.4 .4 net points per game on the plus side, and you're going to go with Arizona. Okay, fantastic. Well, next up, they're now calling it Tampa Bay. Am I correct? Are Tampa they? Tom, okay. They couldn't come up with nothing better than that. <laughs> hey, it's catchy. 
It fits right in. Tom Brady is the man. And A.B. should be playing this weekend. So they're going to pull A.B. out of the hat. Bias plus going 9.6 favors Tampa Bay. Well, sir, mm, this is a good one. If it was in New Orleans, I might think about it a little bit longer. But since it's not, I won't waste any more time thinking about it. I'm going with the Buccaneers. They're playing really, really well right now. Tom is hot. Got a good running game. Fournette finally found his legs. So now they can bring him in if Ronald Jones gets a, you know, starts fumbling or whatever. But he's playing really well, breaking tackles, hitting the hole. Rock coming around. Mike Evans is a little dinged up. I think they wish they had some time to really let him sit down and miss a game, but he's he's not injured so badly that he can't play. But he, you could tell he's not 100%. Um, Godwin should be back this week, and they're bringing in A.B. Supposedly, they've designed some packages for him, so we might look for him on some jet sweeps or something as well as uh, some certain pass routes that are designed to get him open. Um, Tampa Bay's pretty much, to me, the most complete football team in the NFL right now, from, from top to bottom. Now, I will say this. People have been talking really great things about their defense, and I remember I cut the game on, and um, somebody said all four of their DBs you know, both corners and both safeties are all six feet tall plus. They all run four fours and they're all young, like they're all under 24 years old. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And then I watched the Giants game and I watched Sterling Shepard get open. <laughs> I watched Ingram make a catch that if he had made the catch the week before, they would have beat the Eagles. And I watched Slayton blow by the guy that was covering him several times. In fact, one time he beat him completely and Daniel Jones didn't even see him. He was looking at the other side of the field. And I say, okay, all that youth and all that speed and all that height is all great. It's wonderful. But experience plays a big part too. So if they got a weakness, that's it's the youth in the secondary. But overall, I think they're the most complete team, even more complete than Pittsburgh. And I'm taking Tampa Bay. Going with Tampa Bay. That is your Sunday night game. So we'll be able to watch that uh, as the only game on at that time. So it won't be competing with any other, with you know, any other games. Our eyeballs will be fixed on, on that game. That's going to be fun. All right, that leaves Monday night. Are you ready for some football Monday night? Well, <laughs> well, well, wah, wah, wah. You can't swing this one to Sunday and 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 put the Tampa Bay game on on Monday night. That's that you would that would be that would be preferable probably. But what's Cam going to do, man? I mean, they, they're favored. 13.6 favors New England. If Cam can't come out, this is a, a division game. This is one of those games that is going to make 
potentially help Miami because, uh, you know, if, if New England takes an L, which they shouldn't, but if they take an L, then that's just going to, you know, strengthen Miami's uh, position and it's basically them and the Bills in this division um, at this particular point. And everybody's waiting for Cam to, to you know, kind of get out of this funk. He was doing okay till he fumbled at the end of the game. You know, he was looking like he was about to lead a comeback. And the story yeah, was going to be people are really People are really giving him the business about that fumble. I mean, they're nitpicking. They're like, well, you know, why didn't you switch the ball to the other hand? Stop it. This dude is running hard, trying to break tackles, trying to get yardage, trying to win a game. The defender came in from the side. He never saw him. And the guy punched. He had his fist balled up and punched the ball out. That can happen to anybody. That can happen to anybody. You know, they're really riding him. And I understand there was a lot of fanfare when he went to New England and people were like, oh, they got Cam. And things aren't working out quite like they expected. But I think people are being a, a bit hard on him now. I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go all out to defend him, because them hats he'd be wearing at his post game press conferences are driving me bananas. <laughs> but I do believe they will beat the Jets. If nothing else, their defense is still strong enough to stop that lousy Jets offense. If they have to win the game six to nothing. <laughs> they go in, you know. So yeah, take the Patriots. Jeez. Yeah, New England's defense is ranked twelfth. You know. I hope I don't have any fantasy implications for this game because if I don't, I probably won't watch it. I know I won't watch the whole game. The only way I watch this game is if I have fantasy implications. I know I have no Jets on any of my teams. I had Cam on a couple teams. I cut him. I don't think I have any Patriots. I probably won't even watch this game. As opposed to last Monday, when the Giants played Tampa Bay, I had a big lead, big fantasy lead, and I had one Buccaneer, and the guy I was playing had Brady, Gronk, Jones, and the Tampa Bay defense came back. I ended up winning the game by like five points. And if, here's the crazy thing. I'm a New York Giants fan. They get that two-point conversion, they go to overtime and have a chance to win. But also if they get that two-point conversion and they go to overtime, that gives Tampa Bay players more opportunities to get fantasy points, and I lose. <laughs> That's why I don't like fantasy. Guess what I root Loyalty. That's what I've always said. Guess, guess what I rooted for? For them not to get that two points. Oh no, dude! <laughs> I, I can't lose my fantasy game. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Just corrupts those loyalties. They got. They were gonna lose anyway. <laughs> Tampa Bay was gonna win the toss, drive down the field, and score. It's ah. Eh. Uh, what can I tell you? What? Can I... <laughs> okay. Well. Last week, you know, we, we, we did all of our uh, Bias Plus reports. And as usual, there has to be a Bias Plus Buster of the Week. Congratulations to the Cincinnati Congratulations. Bengals. Congratulations, Joe Burrow, baby. 
Joe Burrow busting the bias with a score of 23. They were un, had an unfavorable bias of 12. They won by 11. That gives them a bias plus buster score of 23. Congratulations to the Cincinnati Bengals. That's a huge win for them. And although they only have two wins, when you have bad season after bad season after bad season and then turn in a real stinker and get the number one pick overall and you pick a quarterback and he comes in and plays like this guy has come in and played, you have won. You, you might not win a lot of games. Right. You have won. You're on your way back. To be the first foundational factor to building a competitive Absolutely. line. Absolutely. Quarterback. Think about all the teams that had stinky seasons, got the number one pick overall, picked a quarterback, and the guy laid an egg. Mm. You know? This, this is, this is, they, they, everything is working out for them. The, the only thing that they're missing is wins. Other than, um, uh, what's his name in college now? Uh, the guy with the long. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Other than Trevor. Uh, who has COVID, right? I think he just came down. Uh, he, he Either that or he was close to somebody who did or something yeah, like something that. Something like that, but he's out. So they, they got somebody. Right. Who do you like in college ranks coming out at quarterback right now? Uh, the guy Fields at Ohio State. Ohio State. I've heard a number of things about him. Absolutely. There's a couple more guys, but, um, you know, college football is kind of hit and miss right now. Some of the conferences are just coming back. Uh, but they do – they're televising a lot of games. So I'm going to start really watching and trying to catch up on what's going on now that the, the bigger conferences are beginning to play. But they have um, it's Lawrence, Fields, and there's maybe two or three other guys out there that they're touting as, you know, being probably top-notch first-round type dudes. So, you know, I'll, I'll get caught up on who they are, but Fields is pretty nice. Such a crazy year, man. Such a crazy year. Okay. That wraps up the Bias Plus reports uh, for this upcoming week nine. Let's move on. And we usually wrap up with commentary. We'll start, we'll just kind of open up the conversation uh, with the fact that uh, the trade deadline came and went. There was not a lot of horse trading for what I understand. Um, and for example, people thought that maybe uh, the Bengals would be giving up, you know, their receiver or, you know, there'd be a few different trades. People were looking really? for Green Bay to pick up a receiver uh, or actually, you know, they're looking for Green Bay to pick up a receiver, but we know Green Bay needs help on the defensive end. So we thought maybe they'd get a little more with that. Uh, my Niners did move, as we said, Quan Alexander, they picked up. Uh, Kiko Alonzo is a question. Yeah, were you able to find out the story behind that? Was he unhappy? Uh, no, but I know he just keeps putting out these tweets, and I read them, and I have no idea. I see them, and I have no idea what oh, he's okay. talking about. Right. So he was—he yeah. might have got hit upside the head one time too. I'm yeah. just joking. Um, but in any event, anything about the trade deadline that you want to mention? No, no, I'm surprised. I thought I heard enough scuttlebutt about Will Fuller going to the Packers that I thought that might actually happen, but it didn't. So, 
Yeah, didn't happen. Uh, I know people in Philadelphia are upset that the Eagles didn't do anything. They kind of stood pat. I don't know what they were expecting them to do, but they didn't do anything. So, you know, that's the way that goes. Uh, yeah, if Wentz is going to Wentz it up a lot, then, you know, it doesn't really make any difference what you do. You just need him to play a little bit better and make better decisions, and they could be – they could still win the division with just that, so – I think that's the only thing that's really keeping him afloat right now is the fact that somehow, some way, they've been winning these games. But I'm telling you, as bad as he's playing, I don't see that getting better. I don't really see that getting better. So as they start to play better teams, they're going to have some problems. But let's give them a chance. They're on the bye this week. Give them a chance to work things out and see how they do when they come off the bye, and then we'll take it from there. Well, you must have knew what we were getting ready to talk about. Fantasy alert. Teams on the bye for week nine. Cincinnati, Cleveland, Los Angeles. That would be... That would be the Rams. The Rams and the Philadelphia Eagles. So, you know something? It's really funny. Um, when I'm doing this stuff, sometimes I'm using the city names. Sometimes I'm using the nicknames. The nicknames really, I think elicit more emotionally like it's one thing to say Philadelphia it's another thing to say the Eagles it kind of absolutely you know I mean? it absolutely. really does so I think I'm going to start sticking you know using utilizing the nicknames a little bit more um, yeah but you know the Browns and you know you're talking about sports it's just not quite the same like yeah. if if you know you're talking about football and you say Philadelphia it's like okay you say the Eagles, you know what I mean? People feel it more. Now, when you say Pittsburgh, people know. <laughs> you know what I mean? To certain, certain ones, yeah, when you say Pittsburgh, people just know. And it used to be when you said Oakland, people would know. Yeah, you know? Oakland. It, it, Oakland and Raiders, you, you feel it. Pittsburgh and Steelers, you feel it. New England's kind of like that. I don't know. I don't know about many other te teams, though. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm I'm thinking about San Fran, and, and do I nah. need to say the Niners? Nah. Yeah, when you say San Fran, you kind of know what's going on. <laughs> you do, but you did. It's not the same as yeah. the Niners. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It just it does carry some emotional weight, and. Right. uh that's probably why the Washington team is going to have to really get a better they got to get in Washington football team. So that's uh that's not really helping in terms of really establishing themselves, but that's okay. I think as a temporary situation um they doing okay. And yeah, also, from what I understand, nine different franchises opened up their stadiums for voting this yes. year. Yes. Yes. And they were one of them. And uh, I heard a number of people say that they did an excellent job um, in serving the voters uh, down in D.C. So kudos to those guys. Kudos to the rest of the NFL for what they did. Again, it's a positive and a negative to just about everything. And, you know, we, we talk enough negative things about the NFL, whatever, but there's a lot of positives going on. Um, Patrick Mahomes literally split the cost for voting machines in Kansas City 
with the Chiefs. What? He's got that much money. <laughs> he's well, yeah, but it's not really that he's got that much money. It's that he actually did it. Like that's he did it. Yes. Cool. They have they when you know it remind when the way they signed him reminded me of the way the Lakers signed Magic back in the day. Yeah. We yeah, know yeah. this guy is great. He's going to be great. He's going to be a legend. Let's lock him down to our franchise and know that he's with us for the long term. Right. It was what I was hoping the Sixers would have done with Dr. J. Right. And they didn't, right. you know, which is how I was able to skate off and become a Bulls fan. But that's a whole other story. But long story short, you know, he is a class act. He's a very um, smart young man. He's picking up investments left and right. So he might be making a lot of money on the football side, but that young man is going to be making a lot of money outside of football also. So keep your eye on him. He's got, he's no joke. And again, he comes from a professional sports family. So all the assets, all, all the connections, all the, all of that was in place for him, but he could have been a, a knucklehead. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you could have that situation and you can have a kid that's a knucklehead and doesn't take full advantage of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It happens. Yeah. He's yeah. not that guy. All right. I said my part. Anything else that you want to add in terms of comments? I don't need to add anything in terms of comments, but I will say my part. My part would be go Knowles. <laughs> Peace.